Welcome to Musically and Technically Speaking, a podcast where music and technology intersect. Hosted by Brenda Minch and Carol Groves. Today's show is all about scheduling the extra holiday concert practices. Okay, so it's time for another Musically and Technically Speaking podcast. And tonight we have Carol and Jen, so there's three of us, and myself, Brenda, um, and we have been thinking that maybe it might be the right time of year to discuss um, extra practice scheduling for your holiday concert. I think this is mainly an elementary issue. Would you agree with that, girls? I agree. Well, our concert, our holiday concert is at the middle school, and we combine elementary and middle choirs together, so for me, it's the both issue. Okay. So, I don't know, I guess some of the issues that I I can think of off the top of my head that might come up if you were new in your building and you didn't quite know what was going on is that you need to get some kind of um, big group rehearsal going because often you're practicing, you know, in your individual classes, little pieces of the program, but they all need to fit together somehow. And so somehow you have to organize getting everybody together and getting that practice to happen somehow. So, I don't know, Jen, talk to us a little bit about how that works in your building. Um, well, we do grade level concerts throughout the year, and we actually purposely did not schedule any in December after having some parents complain that it wasn't holiday related because our curriculum based. Um, so we'll have a concert with, we'll have a choral concert one week, and then the following week will be the band concert. So we do a third through eighth grade choir concert. Um, and we're actually trying to figure out right now how we're going to handle. We have two pieces that everyone is singing together at the end, and we're still actually still trying to do logistics to see if we can get everyone together the day before to run through it. So otherwise, it'll be like the hour before the concert, getting them all together to run through. So Which happens quite a bit, especially when you're dealing with large groups like that. Exactly. And the nice thing is, um, since... I'm pretty much in charge of the whole night. I have a co-teacher for the elementary group, but um, so there's a lot of consistency going between the two buildings. So that's nice that everything's always the same tempo, directing it the exact same way. Kids do the same thing. It's just more logistics of who is standing where when we combine everybody. So if you weren't, if you if you were like teaching with another teacher and doing this, how how what kind of things would you envision that you might have to address? Like the tempo, obviously. Um, issue tempo in terms like keeping um conducting styles consistent so that the kids were familiar possibly even for the large thing having both of us direct would be an option okay because uh, we'll have about 100 kids on the risers for the combined piece at the end wow so it's it'll be cool though um and that may be something i actually have to address in the future if our program keeps expanding the way it has who knows? <laughs> but this is actually the first year we've had an elementary choir. So um, in the past, it was just a middle school thing, and it wasn't 
something I had to really think about. But now that we have the elementary, we have our own night this year, so cool. we're all kind of with it. Cool. Well, it sounds like, I mean, I think the logistics of, like, the conducting, you know, especially when you're doing a large group like that, the consistency of teacher helps. Okay, so in my building, when we do a holiday concert, um, often I'm spreading out the con- the show, because sometimes we do the little mu- canned musical shows. Mm-hmm. But I'm spreading it out amongst a grade level or two grade levels. So maybe the second graders are working on two of the pieces from the show and the third graders are working on two of the pieces from the show. But the third graders have all of the lines, but I have some kids in one class and some kids in another class. So we end up practicing the lines during class, but I read the people that aren't there. So sometime I have to get everyone together so we can see when, you know, Bobby walks on that Susie's supposed to talk and how do we get on and off the risers at the right time or whatever. Right. And at my school, I was gifted with, when I walked in the door, my first year of teaching, it was already in place, that we had one day where we all, because we do our concert at the middle school, which is like 20 minutes from where our kids go to school. We all get on a bus, and it's like four buses, and the principal arranges the busing, and we get two hours in the morning in the middle school gym where the stage is where we have our concert to run through logistics of how the concert works. And I get one shot at this. One day, that's it. So I have had to be really original with my, um, with my, how I like think about organizing way from the beginning. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. So like, that's where I had to start doing where I would read the lines so that the kids were at least aware that there was another line there and how the program would flow. And usually if I do my job right, um, it flows together pretty nicely in that two hour time I can get everything done and we all feel like we know what we're doing and woohoo, the kids are fine. But it does require a lot of pre-thinking on my part as to how this is going to work together nicely. So Kara, how does scheduling for the holiday concert practice work at your school? Well, we have a shopping trip with the sixth, seventh and eighth graders and in the afternoon, they go shopping for their family. And that, even though I'm an advisor, I have someone take my advisory, and we have a rehearsal for the fourth and fifth graders. So my fourth graders get a nice 40-minute rehearsal because the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders are gone, and the gym is completely available. And we rehearse the fourth and fifth graders all afternoon. Nice. Um, the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders have to rehearse, and that is that's during school time. And that's usually the day before. And the band director sets that up. I used to have a four or five choir and we would rehearse that afternoon. Now, I don't know. We, we do now have a choir in the six, seven, eight. And I don't know when the band, the band director is directing that. I don't know when he's going to rehearse those kids. But it works out great that we try to do the shopping trip two days before the holiday concert. So it, it's, it's, it works. It really works so well. Because we just take all the fourth and fifth graders for the whole afternoon. Because we have to rehearse the final song. Because you have song. And um, the day before, when the junior high kids have to play, I grab all the fourth graders. Because the younger they are, the more the teachers are uh, agreeable to take the kids, you know? Right. So um, the fourth grade teachers don't mind if I pull them for 15 minutes, you know? Um, just to go over the song. So here's an interesting question, though, because we, in our previous conversation, we discussed a little bit about how does it work 
if you walk into a building and they have zero, you know, precedent set up for getting together to practice for the holiday concert, or like in Jen's situation, we have a big push for academics and meeting, you know, lofty high reading goals, and we'd really like to not get together for as many practices as we've had in the past. What kinds of things do you say to the teachers and to the ad to the administration to help them to understand that those practices are vital to your program? One thing that we did in that conversation that I was discussing is reiterated that um, because we do such a huge push for all of our concerts to be curriculum based, um, that we're constantly teaching reading skills, math skills, language skills. Um, within our music classes and even within the program itself because it's based on their curriculum right um and that yes while they might be losing a little bit of time here and there for that actual instruction with their teacher that we more than make up for it with what we do in our class in our music classroom plus at least in my in that specific case the teachers that i was working with they they work it out specifically um we try to avoid those times and they're flexible with their schedules as well i mean we some of them is pe or another special because we try to avoid that time okay and the specialist teachers were all, all okay with it and we just we rearranged schedules like because i had one class every day we switched so that she could go to art that like the day after our program instead of going to my class because I'd seen her kids for five days straight. Right. So you have to be so, maybe a little giving with the time that you would normally have for their class after the program is over so that they can make up other things maybe. Exactly. Okay. Carol, so. what about you? Well, you know, I before I set up any schedule, I go and I personally talk to the teachers. Yes. Then I said then I send the email. I I find it when you're trying to pull a big group like that there's nothing worse than just getting this email that you're taking all these kids yeah you know, um like yesterday i had a show and i had a show at two o'clock to two thirty i had all these kids getting pulled out left and right different kids coming at different times and i personally went to talk i had to get a kid out for the last two periods and i personally went and talked to both teachers about this about the one kid he was running sound it was a long story because the kid was sick that was going to do it and I personally talked to the, the teachers, and um, there was no problem. I think that I had sent an email. I think I would have gotten a no. But, you know, personally talked to them, explained to them the situation. Um, and then we, some, you know, we try to figure things out. I mean, someone had art at a certain time. We moved things around. We moved art up 15 minutes. Sometimes just moving something 15 minutes, everything works. So. Yeah, I learned that after my first year I tried emailing things out and communicating that way and noticed how frustrating it was that I just go to their grade level team meeting as we're planning the concert together and we just set it and because they know their schedules much better than I do right. especially I'm only in that building two maybe two hours a day so yeah communicating with the, the regular or their classroom teachers is a huge thing and strangely, the three techie girls are saying communicating in person is the way it needs to be done. Well, you know, I, I think it I is, don't you? It. Yeah. I think another thing, too. I, I, ironically, I know the schedules really well. I mean, people come to me and even ask me, 
I know where when the gym is available and how I can use the gym. Okay, but that is partly because around. of how long you've been in the district. <laughs> uh, it's probably, no, we change the schedule every year. Right, but, but you kind of have day, an idea. Right. And I've even had it so much as um, what I needed to use the gym, and I have given the PE department my room and with even lesson plans to use the computers and do stuff. So, you know, I, I've sort of been creative in how to sort of figure things out. You know, I do that all the time, especially as we're getting ready for the musical or even our winter concert coming up is like dance line will take over my classroom and I'll take over the stage. We just you have to be flexible. And the more you communicate with teachers um, and go to them instead of, you know, demanding things, it's also how you communicate. If you're open to and flexible and have ideas, they're more open to, okay, we can we can do that. Right. And I think part of it is also being aware that you cannot come and ask them for this every month. Right. Right. You have to say this for the very important rehearsals. And if you do that, they will value that you're, you know, self-editing that way and not do it to you. You know what I mean? Not request kids out of your class on a regular basis, hopefully, as much because you are also valuing their class time as well. Yeah. And when I like this show that I had that was fourth through eighth grade and 20 different kids. I mean, they were all coming out of all different classes. Um, I gave them a heads up a month in advance. Then I went and I talked to each of the teachers. And then two weeks in advance, I gave another heads up. And then last Friday, not at 3.30, but at 9 o'clock in the morning, because it was you know, they were going to miss Monday afternoon, uh-huh. I gave them another little thing about these are all the kids I'm taking. And then Friday, then Monday morning at 7 o'clock, I sent a final email. So it was it was not a problem at all. I mean, I communicated with them both face to face and by email a lot. Mm-hmm. I think this is another one of those areas where if you have poor poor organizational skills, it will come back to haunt you because you can't just you know run into their room an hour before and say I need to have everybody you know for a practice at three and it's two o'clock because you're well going and to get here again help. I. And I talk about that extra 15 minutes, knowing the schedule just a little bit. And maybe instead of having the schedule at 1.30, having it at 1.45 helps everyone. Right. You know, and so um, I know that we have sort of this new flex time type of thing. And if I had started everything at 9.30, it was going to wreck everyone's schedule. But having everything at 9.45, everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just that 15 minutes of just maybe moving it a little bit, you know, and like I have a class. And so I, I talked to the, it was a study hall class for sixth grade. I went to the sixth grade LD teacher and asked her if she would take the thing. She said, Oh, no problem. I can take that class. Explain to her that I've got, you know, I've got 35 kids in the lunchroom that I'm dealing with, you know, right. when they explain, you know, I think when people understand what you're doing and they can see what you're doing, um, that helps. Yeah. And yeah. then after it's done, a lovely thank you note, or cookies right. on the lounge table, or something, just to let them know that you did appreciate that they actually did it. It's always nice. Exactly. Well, you know what I did is one teacher who really helped me out a lot. I personally went up to her and I almost tears in my eyes just thanked her so much for coming to the show and bringing her kids and everything. And she was like, Carol, I, I loved it. You know, personal. You know, I mean, I, I really, as you just said, Brenda, as much as we talk about technology, Nothing 
with a nice personal handwritten note or a personal cookies or personal, nothing replaces that. No. Well, fabulous, ladies. So it's all about being flexible and being organized when you're getting ready to schedule a big practice, it sounds like. Yep. Yes. All right. Thanks for the conversation, girls. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like more information on any of the topics we discussed, all the links are on the blog. 